0: Hi, this is Jimmy Waldo of Alcatraz. You're listening to Sonic Perspectives.
1: another interview of Sonic Perspectives. I am Rodrigo Altaf and today I'll be talking to Jimmy Waldo of Alcatraz. Jimmy, how are you, man? I'm good. How's it going there? Very good, very good. I'm here in Toronto. Where are you located at the moment? Uh, I'm
0: in, I live in Los Angeles, so I live uh, about uh, 20 minutes out in the valley.
1: Oh, cool. Well, I was met with a lot of surprise uh, earlier this year when I was told that Alcatraz has a new live album out. Tell us about this release, man.
0: Well, we had been doing some Alcatraz songs in the Graham Bonnet band,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um, loved the mater- Graham and I've always loved the material. So um, we we were playing it live, and it sounded good. And it was and the Japanese when we went to Japan, the jet ja- well before we went to Japan, the Japanese were like, they want to see your set list. They always want to know what you're going to play. They got to know every <laughs> song uh, and the order and everything. So. We sent them a set list, and they just were flipping over the Alcatraz stuff. So we thought we'd learn a couple more Mm -hmm. and kind of like a little bonus. And uh, we sent that set list back, and they were like, oh, my gosh, yeah, that's great. That's great. So that's sort of how that all started. And then we got Gary Shea involved. I thought, well, it would be really cool if Gary could come with us and play the Alcatraz stuff. Yeah. And Bethany, the bass player in the Grand Bono Band, was gracious enough to let Gary step in and play those Alcatraz songs. And um, so it, it really worked out great. We kind of split the night up a little bit. We took about a two-minute break mm. in between and then played the Alcatraz stuff at the end. And we were recording all the shows live. So um, that's kind of how it started. And, uh,
1: looking at the video and listening to the album, it's like the chemistry between you guys is still intact. You know, it's like you never even stopped the band. So I guess it wasn't a difficult process to revisit the old material, right? I mean, you just said... It's really not.
0: Yeah, you still play
1: it, uh, you know, a good chunk of those albums, right?
0: Yes, yes. You know, it's like, it's like we never stopped, um... I was asked yesterday about that. Oh, it's been 30 years or whatever. It's I don't even know how long it's been, but I've never stopped. And Graham has never stopped. So for us, it's just like another day at the office. Um, you know, it's like, well, Oh, well, cool. Let's do this. Let's learn some Alcatraz. Let's do some more Alcatraz stuff than we were doing. And we did, and it was turning out great. So we just continued on. So yeah. And Gary Shea, same thing. Gary's, never stopped i mean he's been playing and different bands and doing different stuff and we've worked together on different projects over the years so when i told gary i said hey you want to go to japan with us sir? well we played some dates in the states uh-huh. down in texas um and then uh he was like yeah i'm in <laughs> so it was for him it was just like he plays that stuff in his sleep you know so it was, uh, it was easy. Yeah. We love doing it. So that's why it comes off that way. <laughs> yeah. It's not a struggle. Yeah.
1: And when you say that the Japanese wanted to see the set list first, is that uh, like the, the agents, the production crew, or the, your fans over there? or?
0: Well, the agents. Okay. Our uh, promoter in Japan, because the promoter over there, uh, she's a sweetheart and she's really cool she really knows what works and what doesn't.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. She's really got a great feel for that. And um, Graham had worked with her before, uh, before I was in the band and Giles, our manager had worked with her on some different things and they both said the same thing. She really knows her stuff. So Mm -hmm. um, they typically kind of want to know anyway. Because, you know, bands have gone to Japan in the past that have had a lot of hits and stuff like that. And, you know, and then the Japanese have assumed they would be playing their hits and their favorite songs. And they get there and the band has decided to play everything off their new album.
1: Oh, I see.
0: So so now fans extremely disappointed. You know, they only play one old song. Oh, man, we wanted to hear. So... I think Yumi is just she's really cool and she just thought that was a smart thing to do is to and that now that, that's typically what they do though they really want to know what you're going to do.
1: Uh-huh. It's funny because it's a small country but it's a strong market, you know, it's a very important market for metal and, you know, hard rock, classic oh, yeah. rock, right? Yeah. Big time, yeah. big time. And I have a question about the Japanese audience because I went to see a concert there like more than 10 years ago and it was uh-huh. surprising to me how quiet they were between songs. Is that still the same or has it changed? Because yes. I could definitely no, tell the, their excitement in the
0: DVD, right? it's exactly, uh, It's exactly like it was the first time Alcatraz played there. <laughs> they go crazy at the end of the song and they let you know that they are just loving it. And then they all on cue. It's like somebody flips a switch and they all get quiet. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, and I think what that is, is they're they're very, very polite people. And that's the way they're raised. And they've always been raised that way. Um, so I think what it is, is they they applaud and yell and then they stop because they want as you start to announce the next song or talk, they don't want to be rude they want to be able to hear what you're saying and they don't want to interrupt you.
1: Yeah, it's a typical so, thing. Yeah. The show I saw mm-hmm. there, a lot of songs had like piano intros. You can hear the hand of the piano player sliding through the keys, man. That was impressive. <laughs> oh yeah. cool! yeah well and in those shows you were of course accompanied by two members of Graham's solo band mark Benqueche on drums and conrado Pesinado on guitars and they
0: seem to right
1: they seem to fit in like a glove conrado specifically like he didn't even seem to break a sweat with those solos and leads right
0: well pretty much yeah conrado's an excellent musician <laughs> and uh a really cool guy yeah. and um I mean he when he left the band he mean conrad he went off to do his own thing, basically mm-hmm. um because he'd been with Graham for a couple of years at that point, so he really felt like he needed to go off and do his thing mm-hmm. and yeah, totally understandable so um, sorry to see him go, but that it's all good. we're friends, and i I just love the guy <laughs> yeah. and I love his playing, and I love his musicianship as much as anything. Conrad is just a an exceptional musician. And uh, that, that was a pleasure, working with him. Mark Bankachea, the drummer, he and I joined the band the same time. So Mark and I had been playing together for a while, and I love Mark's drumming. And he gets the whole Alcatraz thing. He he gets it. He loves Jan's drumming on, on the live stuff he'd seen of Alcatraz in the day, and also the records. So it was an easy fit for Mark, uh, for Mark to come in and do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Again, because he had respect for the original stuff and wanted to, you know, to make sure it felt as close to that as possible.
1: I see. And uh, the shows happened on March 2017, and only now that we're getting a live release. What took you guys so long to put together the, the DVD
0: and the, the live album? You know what? It's mostly just record company scheduling. Mm -hmm. Uh, It did not take us long to put that together at all. Um, So it wasn't really that. It's just that the record company, they've always got their ways. They want to schedule things based on other things. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I don't even keep up with it anymore. Trying to figure out like, well, why did you wait till then to release it? Why didn't you release it six months ago? Uh And they will explain it to you. But like these days, I am really in a mode and have been for a while. Uh, let them do their job. I'll do my job. And if it takes a year, if it takes two weeks or if it takes two years, whatever it is, there's nothing I can do about it uh, <laughs> I because it, it, it's 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 kind of it's you know, they're doing their thing and. I, I really, like I said, these days I really worry about being a keyboard player and a writer and a band member mm-hmm. uh, in the band, and the rest of it, it'll just take care of itself. Somebody asks me my opinion, I'll tell them, but generally speaking, I, I just, I want to be a keyboard player and a writer. <laughs> <laughs> I see, basically. So,
1: yeah, well, my take on this, as a fan, and here I'm taking my my journalist badge aside, you know, as a fan, is that uh-huh. uh, they didn't want it to interfere with Graham's solo album, which came out earlier this year. That's my guess, at least.
0: So, <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't. That was the Graham Bonnet band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the same band. Mm-hmm. So uh, I- I'm sure when we did that record, uh, meanwhile back in the garage, you're talking about, yeah, right? that's the one, yeah. Yes, Uh, I produced that one, and uh, I don't doubt for a minute that had a lot to do with it, Mm -hmm. coordinating all this, uh, you know, so like I said, when we were doing that record, I was producing that record, it's like, get the record done, do my best, and let the rest take care of itself. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that had a lot to do with it, yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess so. And, well, there are eight bonus tracks on this release as well, mostly demos and rehearsals, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Sh- shed Shadows a bit of light into what's included as a bonus, because uh, I think most of the songs actually ended up in the albums that came out in the 80s, like Ohio, Tokyo, No Imagination, Blue Boar as well. But uh, at least one track I don't recognize, uh, Emotion. Is that a new one or...
0: No, that's something that uh, Steve Vai and Graham wrote Mm -hmm. uh, when Steve was still in the band. And we demoed it. Uh, We had a studio at Steve's house at that time. And um, we demoed the, we were demoing everything. And we demoed that song and we just loved it. It was like, oh my God, we just, this is great. But it, it never made the record. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, and, I, and honestly, I don't remember if it was Capitol Records at the time didn't want it on the record. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I I, I can't remember because there was a lot of material that we were going through at the time. But um, but yeah, emotions never been released. Uh, the rest of it, obviously, were demos and or rough mixes of things that had been released.
1: Okay. Okay, and well, I find it curious that you guys still preserve uh, so much of the chemistry on stage, even though you guys had a le- relatively short-lived band. Uh, what do you think would have happened for the band uh, to have carried on in the late '80s? Like, if the band had carried on in the late '80s,
0: uh, with Ingve, you mean?
1: With Ingve or whoever or whoever replaced yeah. him in the third well, album?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think. If if we would have stayed together with the Yngwie lineup or the Steve Vai lineup, mm. um, we would have gone on to be a contender. We would have been a, a – there's no doubt in my mind that we could have been a a major – a more major band, a more mm-hmm. major force. More, and have a maybe. lot more – a lot more success. Mm-hmm. Uh, but – you don't do that in one album and in one tour uh or a couple of tours. That takes time. Ingway yeah. was not there was no way he was gonna be around for that. Mm-hmm. Um I could I knew that six months in, I knew Ingway <laughs> was out of here. I knew that he was destined to do his own thing, to be Ingway. Yeah. yeah, he was not gonna be in a band with anybody. So uh and that's okay. That's just what it is. That's life, you know. Mm-hmm. So we never got a chance to take that to the next level. Then Steve got in the band, same thing, same exact thing. Steve, fantastic guy, fantastic musician, and the band was smoking live with him. I mean, we were rocking. But again, we we did a tour, and just as we're getting tight and real, the thing is really getting now this sounds like a band and we're ready to go on and do another record and go to the next level, Steve left. So you can't, you know, you, who knows? And then by the third record, uh, it was, it was kind of wasn't really happening by then. Uh, Graham was still writing great, some great songs and we wrote together and did stuff, but we didn't. the guitar player just wasn't the right guy. For that he just Danny was not the right guy. Good guitar player but just not the right guy for the direction we needed to go in or stay in, you know, yeah. basically. I remember you guys complaining about uh, a lot of
1: uh, interference from the record company as well. Was that a factor in uh, in the destiny of the band at some point or
0: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Because the band we were trying to feel our way through this guitar player thing. Mm-hmm. And um we were writing and coming up with stuff, and the record company got very involved and wanted us to do a lot of outside material uh-huh. by pop writers. And we weren't a pop band per se. I mean, pop is a broad word, but we weren't. You know, um, we weren't going to do "Eye of the Tiger." That was not us. Yeah, and we I weren't see. Foreigner. And that's what they wanted. They wanted another Foreigner or uh, Survivor or something. You know, very very eighties, very safe, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and uh, we weren't that band and we were even changing even more. I mean, we were, we wanted to get more out there and heavier and everything. And so, yeah, it just wasn't working with Capital. and those people at Capital were fantastic people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we had a lot of friends there, everybody from the president to our, our A&R guy, they were just, fantastic people it was a real shame but it just wasn't it stopped being a good marriage i see and um, you know so so yeah that was really the demise of the whole thing right there because no record company which means we had no support Mm -hmm. and um really you got to have funding to be able to pay for rehearsals and stuff like that and um We weren't selling well on the road with that lineup. Uh, We didn't sell well. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. we Mm -hmm. didn't sell well with Steve Vai either. When we toured with Steve, uh, we were playing in front of thirty people in little two hundred seat clubs. Oh no! (laughs) Yeah, it was it was pitiful. Nobody knew who he was, and when we would play, those thirty people would go away, blown away, like oh my god. We had no idea. Now, these were Yngwie freaks, you know, so Mm -hmm. a lot of people abandoned the band after Yngwie left. Mm. They thought that's what the band was all about. And then when they heard us live with Steve, they were like, oh, God, we had no idea. So but again, we never got a chance to cultivate that with Steve. He left and I don't blame him. I mean, he had an amazing opportunity with David Lee Roth and that launched him off into further things yeah. and the rest is history yeah. and uh i've never we we never had any bad feelings towards him about that i mean i saw steve a few months ago so he he's cool um, okay. but yeah it's um it's just what happens you know it's just the business and and people's personalities and stuff I, gosh, you just can't control all that. It's a miracle that bands, like an Iron Maiden,
1: mm.
0: it's a miracle those guys have stayed together in some form or another, kept their direction true. Even through different singers and different drummers, they've kept their direction. I know. They teach so much. I, their lineup, I, really, yeah. I have so much respect for them. Yeah. I love Iron Maiden, and I have so much respect for them for doing that. The same with Judas Priest. Judas Priest is Rob Halford. Even when he was gone, the band continued on on and kept that direction. And when Halford got back in the band, they were as strong as they ever were. You know, and their new record I just think is fantastic.
1: Oh man! Um, Funny you say that because we just voted last year. We had a podcast about you know the best albums of 2018, and my top pick of this year was. was Firepower by Judas Priest, and I know, can see why. Yeah, well, they're in the third, uh, the third, uh, um, third leg of, of the North American tour that's just been announced. So you know this—that speaks volumes,
0: of course. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. because yeah. you can't t- if people don't like your records, you can't tour. Yeah. Period. Sorry. End of story. It's not like it used to be. If you had one hit off that record, you could tour off of that. But it's not like that anymore. The record's got to be solid, and they got to, I think, the fans got to feel that it's a real band. It's not just like a hit song and who are these guys? You know, what yeah. happened? Did they change pe- They're a real band. Yeah. And uh, Halford sells it. The guy, I just think he's amazing. I just love Rob Halford's the whole persona and voice and everything. So that's, that's why they do well. And that's Iron Maiden, the same thing. They're the real deal. Yeah, Metallica, all the heavier bands that have weathered the storm of the of the 80s and Mm. 90s. And man, it was tough, let me tell you, Uh, because this kind of music was not happening. You know, uh, Europe, somewhat UK, uh, somewhat in the States, but but nothing like it used to be. And then all of a sudden it's back. Yeah, they've weathered the storm. And that's great.
1: And I think, you know, picking back on that, there's there's a renewed interest in this type of classic rock that you guys were famous for. Rainbow Reformed. Yes. Like you have bands like Sons of Apollo and Dream Child alluding to that kind of song and try to capture the magic. Uh, to what do you credit right. that, man?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we see it everywhere we tour. We see it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the whole Alcatraz uh resurgence has been Graham and I we finish a show at the end of the night we're playing the whole first album live now Uh we play No Parole completely and we we look out in the audience and people are singing those lyrics and that's amazing to me you're playing a club in front of 200 people and you've got a, a lot of those people singing along with every song and I'm just blown away and at the merchandise table, the Alcatraz T-shirts and albums are just selling really well, uh, posters, pictures. its it, There's a huge interest in the band again, and that's great. Yeah, that's great so to hear. We're yeah. thrilled. Yeah. yeah, we're thrilled.
1: <laughs> and uh, what kind of audience do you guys have these days? Is it mostly like the old timers or is there a contingent of younger fans in your shows? it's both it's huh. old
0: timers and it's uh a lot of younger fans um which is really cool to see <laughs> uh-huh. and uh when we play festivals because it's a it's a you know there's 5000 people or whatever at a festival um there's everybody there there's there's 15 year old girls there's 60 year old people there's it's everybody mm-hmm. so i look out from the stage and when the crowd is getting into it and it's a great response, that's, that's just the best. I mean, cause then, you know, you're reaching everybody. You're not just, you know, like a death metal band that those hundred people down front love you and the rest don't, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're reaching everybody. And that's, <laughs> that's just, that's the coolest. Yeah. Cause I don't, I play music for people, not for me. I mean, I love to play and that's all fun and everything, but Ultimately, you do it for the crowd, not for yourself. <laughs> yeah, <of laughs> you know. Course. So yeah. if people don't dig it, then you're wasting your time. Yeah, and one thing
1: I don't see people ask you about very often is that for a very brief period of time in Alcatraz, you guys had Clive Burr with you in the band, you know, fresh out of Iron Maiden at the time. Why did he not stay?
0: Um, well, he wasn't in the band. I mean, he he he, he worked with us for about a week. Oh, okay. Um, and we were we were looking for drummers, and mm-hmm. we auditioned some other guys. And then somebody said, well, Clive Burr is available. Oh, I thought, great. Loved his drumming in Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Um, Clive, unfortunately, was going through his health problems. Oh, really? Um, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was in really bad shape.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: um, great guy, great guy, but he just was not the drummer that he was in Iron Maiden, not Mm -hmm. even anywhere close. And uh, it's a shame. And I I feel bad, you know, (laughs) talking about him like that, but uh, him, he's not with us anymore. So it's a shame. Um, And I'm sure if he could have stayed around, he would have, he would have gotten it back together. Yeah. I mean, you know, the guys like that, they, they go, you know, everybody goes through, periods (laughs) Mm -hmm. and where they're not as good or a dark period in their life for whatever health or alcohol drugs you never know Uh, but i know clive would have gotten it back together but um, he worked with us for about a week and it just wasn't working out drummer wise he's a great guy
1: Mm
0: -hmm. so um yeah
1: yeah, I hold a special place for else. him in my heart, man. Because, you know, it's one of the guys I root for and I w- hoped that he would get a better band and a different band to succeed. He had a good album yeah. with uh, D. Snyder at some point. Uh, his band called Desperado... But he never uh, yep, took off. Yep. Yeah, he never took off. Yeah, which is a shame.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it's really too
1: bad. Yeah. Well, going back to uh, to Alcatraz, you've been touring with Graham for a couple of years now. What is preventing you guys from just calling the entity, the touring entity, Alcatraz?
0: Well, that's probably what's going to happen. Okay. Uh, um, in the near future, mm-hmm. we're making a record as we speak oh okay i sitting here with a, a song in front of me on the computer that I've been working on so that's where it's heading oh man that's and, so great uh, to hear we're writing now and um, it's, well, it's probably going to be months before this is done because mm-hmm. we've got some touring to do in the meantime and all that stuff but uh, yeah okay <laughs> that's where it's going
1: that's great to hear and if I could take a quick sidetrack, early this year, you released an album with your good friend Stephen Rosen
0: called "Voices from the Past." What was that release about? Yes. Um Stephen and I have been writing together for thirty years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and um we we were writers. We wrote to get songs recorded by bigger artists mm-hmm. you know? and uh, submitting songs to publishers, record companies, artists directly, in some cases. And we hired some of the best players in the business to play on those demos mm-hmm. and those songwriting demos and best players and singers. And um, I, we, I don't even know how many songs we've written, double what's on that record. Um, <laughs> so, so we were just writing constantly. So Giles Lavery, uh, Graham's, and my manager, was here in LA we were getting ready to go on tour and uh Giles was staying with me and and we started talking about Steve he had met Stephen and really liked Steven and we were talking about the stuff we'd written. he said oh I'd like to hear some of it I played him some of it uh, Giles went oh my gosh what are you doing with this stuff and I said well it's just song demos so I started going through it and Giles put that together <laughs> Giles said we got to do this you guys are nuts we got to put this out this has got a lot of great people on it it'd be really good so he had a friend that had a label that's that's good at that that knows you know that that's their forte so yeah, yeah it worked out it was really cool steven and i were thrilled
1: that's quite a lineup you got there jeff scott soto tommy thayer a lot of good names
0: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah we worked with like i said it's, Ton of people on that record. Yeah. Uh, Keith Knutson, the guitar player with Chicago, oh, okay. uh, was a yeah. good friend. Keith is a monster player, um, and he did a lot of those demos for us. Uh, Neil Turbin, the singer, sang on some of the stuff. Uh, Rowan Robertson, that played with, was in Dio's band at the time, played guitar on some of that stuff. Bob um, Kulick as well. Yep. Yep. Bob Kulick. This was during the Blackthorn era. So Bob and I were working together and I said, Hey, I want to hire you to play on a demo. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I literally hired Bob to come over and play on stuff. And Bob is incredible. So, yeah, we had a lot of great, great players. Don Henley's bass player played on a couple of things. and Some of these singers that we had, uh, can't remember her last name, Laura, a girl that sang one of these songs, is just crazy good singer. An LA session singer It never did anything, but just sessions. She sung Disney movies, uh Toyota commercials, you name it, this girl, and she just killed stuff for us. All right. yeah, so we had a lot of great talent that you'll never hear about.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, if and you're listening it, to this girl, from, guy's... Check this out. Check this album called uh, Voices from the Past by Jimmy Waldo and Steven Rosen.
0: Well, yeah. Thank and, you.
1: Yeah, and uh, What are the current plans for your band, uh, New
0: England? Uh, we play, we get together, we try to play four or five shows once a year.
1: Uh, uh-huh. Depending
0: on my schedule more than anybody. Everybody else's, we all play still, but uh, I'm the only one that's full-time touring and recording, you know, Graham and I, we're busy. <laughs> uh-huh. and we never, it never stops. It's rehearsals, record, write, uh, tour. And with maybe a day off in between <laughs> things. But so the new England thing is tough to schedule in there. Um, but when Graham's out with Michael Shanker, he does the Shanker fest thing where he goes out and sings a couple of songs with Shanker on those yeah. tours.
1: Yeah.
0: And, um, So I try to time it so when Graham's doing that, I'll jump off and do, you know, two or three New England shows because those guys are like brothers to me. We we just we were together for well we've known each other forever and Mm -hmm. uh, play together and just love working together and hanging out. So yeah, we it's just about impossible to make a new record because of my schedule and I'm on the West Coast, they're on the East Coast. Okay, it's it's tough. You know, to, to yeah, people talk about the internet, Oh, you can do it online, man. You just swap files, and that's not like sitting in a room writing with somebody. That's just not this. It's not even close <laughs> to yeah. being the same. And that's what New England needs to do. We're the kind of band that really needed to do. I've written stuff with people that I've never even met, and actually put songs together online, and it it came out good. They're a good piece of music, but it's not the. New England, we need to be in the same room uh-huh. and do that. I, I guess
1: it varies depending on the band, but some of the stuff that it is put out, you can tell that they the music, musicians never even met, right? So
0: yes, yeah. yes, depends on the case, I guess. And, yeah, yes, and it, if it works for you, then it works for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I don't care for it. I've played keyboards on stuff and you know, sent them to people and that's fine. But then it, it's always like, once I hear the finished product, I go, well, gosh, I wish I would have known this or that. I would have done something a little different, uh-huh. but you have to be with somebody. They can send you emails and talk to you on the phone and explain what they want. That's all fine. But you cannot replace sitting next to somebody and then watching you play it and going, oh man, I love what you did there. What if you did this? Or yeah. or me going, hey, why not? Let's don't put keyboards there. What's you know uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, on this spot or whatever, and just writing songs, trying to write. Uh, you know, you somebody sends me an idea, and then I'll write a section, and then you got to wait. You send that to them, and then depending on the time differences to wherever they are, you've got to wait, and then you hear from them, and then they're going like. Yeah, I really like what you did, but, mm-hmm. and then the but, Okay, so I go back and redo that. So that whole time period takes about that. That could be two days, uh-huh. and if I'm sitting there with a guy, that takes about five minutes. Exactly. Yeah, it's just so much quicker. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. So. Yeah.
1: Well, different different tastes, right? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes yeah. you listen to things and you say you, you definitely tell that you know it's not organic. I don't know, man. They just don't make music like yeah. they used to do anymore. But <laughs> that's right. Maybe
0: that's just that's me. right. And it's yeah. it's tough enough to keep it organic, um, with the way things are recorded now. And we try to do it as organic as possible. I mean, it's all live drums, obviously, and everybody playing their instruments. So, uh-huh. um, but yeah, it is hard. Yeah. And Pro Tools <laughs> Pro Tools <laughs> has been a blessing and a curse, you know, and I've used digital recording since it existed. And um I know the advantages and I know the downfalls of it. And unfortunately a lot of younger musicians see it as a quick fix. They they figure well if you're doing it in Pro Tools, then I can fix anything. Yeah. And I have all those pro I have the best pitch correction, the best time, I can fix anything. But you can't make a good, a bad song into a good song. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: you can't make a bad vocal performance into a good one. You could make it sound less annoying. Yeah, I could fix their pitch and timing. And and like that. But 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 a lot of people really depend on the computer. I don't. Uh, When we work and I've used computers to record music. As long as anybody and making records and i know what they can do and i choose to use them like tape recorders and yeah you have to edit sometimes it just takes editing but it's old school editing it's just like editing used to be on tape we'll Mm go god that verse is too long so let's cut it down and then we'll we'll cut the verse in half and then we'll go yeah that's way that's more immediate that's the song sounds better like that and then we'll have the guitar player replay it so that it's natural across that edit Mm -hmm. and sometimes the drums cut fine just like they did on tape i mean i've done edits on tape in the old days watched engineers editing 24 track and go oh man arrangement wise that works perfect but the cymbals are cut off so we have to go back in and overdub cymbals or or recut the song in some cases i mean and so today it's the same thing Edits, yeah, edits, you can do amazing things with edits in Pro Tools, but at the same time, musically, if it's not working, you got to recut it. See, and I try to keep it, that. I try to think old school when I'm working. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the song and the music and the performance. I don't care if it's a computer or tape, it doesn't matter. It's still got to be a great song and a great performance, <laughs> no matter what.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course well uh, let's close off man but uh you know i'm looking forward to the new alcatraz album that you guys j- just said that uh you're in the works right now right Great. Right. so thank you so much for your time man and i'm looking forward to the next step in alcatraz
0: well thank you very much i really appreciate your time thanks man take care okay take bye-bye. care bye-bye
1: All right, everyone. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this interview with Jimmy Waldo of Alcatraz. I, for one, am really happy to find out they are recording an album and will tour again, aside from learning the details of their live album, Parole Denied. As always, we ask you to subscribe to our YouTube channels, just so you're up to speed on all our interviews and our Talking Perspectives podcast. I also invite you to like us on Facebook and Twitter, and check us out on www.sonicperspectives.com. We're going to leave you now with the song Island in the Sun from Alcatraz's new live album, the Night. Take care and see you next time.
0: For about 30 something years, and uh, here he is, me and Judy and Gary.